got your Bibles, can we turn to Acts chapter 21 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4? We've spent the last couple of weeks really just in prayer. And uh, really, we could do the same today. We, we really could. Uh, I'm going to preach this message. Um, I, I want to have more prayer meetings like we've had the last couple of weeks more often. How often? I don't know, but more often. Uh, I think it's good. I just think it's good. Um, you know, there, there, there's a doctrine out there that, and I'm not exaggerating, that people believe that when Christians get together, there always has to be a Bible message. That's not true. We can get together and have singing. We can get together and have a Christmas party. It doesn't have to be a message. You can have a birthday party. You get together on a Saturday night. We can have a testimony service. Amen. And we can get together and we can just pray. Amen. Acts chapter 21, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just to recap, just the last, because it's been a couple of weeks, amen. 276 souls were on board this ship that Paul is on. You know, I always thought about this in my, in my mind and as I would read this, but I forget 276. Um, how many chairs do we, does anybody remember how many chairs we have in here? I, I don't remember. Jessica's trying to do math real quick. Let's not say numbers and mess her up. Um, so we got like 90 in here roughly 90 or 100 um, so double this and another half basically so imagine if all these chairs were filled all the way in the back and then some that's a lot of people it's not just some tiny boat that Paul, Paul is on 276 people are on board this and they're all not sitting this tight so I would imagine that the, the boat is at least the, the length of the church from this wall to the end of the fellowship, I'm just trying to give us an idea. Uh, although it's not a small rowboat, it's not the Titanic either. Um, but Paul, he's being escorted to Rome to stand before Caesar by a centurion soldier by the name of Julius. And along the way, contrary to Paul's warning, they continued on their journey, even though they risked getting into a storm ca- called Eurachlodon. Oh, Rachel was waiting for me to say it wrong. She wanted me to. Uh, and then we ended last time we got together preaching along this series as, as they got caught in the storm and Paul stood up. And there were days, there were days in the storm at this point when, when, when Paul stood up. And I don't know if it was two, three, four, five, six, ten days, we don't know. But Paul stood up and he said, hey, I declare. He basically said, I got good news and bad news. He said, uh, we're all going to survive uh, uh, this and... Um, but he also said, y'all should have listened to me because uh, I have a message from God and they did not listen. So Acts chapter 27, verse 16, we'll pick up right here. It says, and running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, uh, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strike sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lighted the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. He's giving you a summary of what's happened. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and have not loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. Brother Zollers, would you mind opening this message up in a word of prayer, sir?
now. Amen. Continue on. That's where we left off. Verse 22 says, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. This is Paul. He's continuing speaking to the 276, 275 other people that are in the boat. And, and he's, he's continuing talking to him. He's saying, you guys should have listened to me way back when. Now here we're stuck in uh, this Eurachlodon. Amen. And he keeps talking. He says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, look at this, whose I am and whom I serve. Can I point out here that Paul refers to himself as an angel? Some people might say, what? That's crazy. Then he's celestial. No. Angel just means messenger. In, in, in uh, angel, uh, the, the Greek word for angel comes from angelos, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It just, it just means messenger. And, and just in knowing that, and I know we hit on this a few months ago, but, but sometimes we get wrapped up and we see angel in the Bible. We always think some celestial being. And oftentimes it is. But it's not always the case. So that's why it's important to study and not just read all the time. Because it might not be talking about some celestial being. It just might be a messenger that was sent. Amen. Paul's saying that uh, he heard from a messenger of God. And just as he is a messenger. And, and this is what the messenger of God told me. Continues talking. Verse 24. He says, he, remember, he's addressing all these people in the boat. He's saying, fear not, Paul. Thou must uh, be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, he says, be of good cheer, for I believe God, and it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. I also want to point out that Paul just prophesied. God, to, or God told Paul of things to come. And there's two kinds of prophecy in the Bible. And if we don't, if we, and this is a, really important, if we don't learn to distinguish between the two kinds of prophecy in the Bible, the Bible will contradict itself. Two kinds of prophecy. There's foretelling and foretelling. Foretelling is, is, is what I'm doing. It's telling the truth as it is and as it was. I'm foretelling the word of God. That's what I'm doing. There's also foretelling. Telling of truths to come. Paul's telling of truths to come. He's saying, hey, a messenger sent by God was with me uh, last night and said, hey, we're going to all survive this. But I'm telling you, we all got to stay in the ship to survive. Keep in mind, no one's steering the ship, as far as they know. They, at this point, we read a couple weeks ago when we hit this, that they just let the ship go because that's how bad it was. They couldn't even steer it. They don't realize that the ship's being directed literally right where God wants it to be. But look at verse 27. But when the 14th night was come, and I, I, I cannot, can you, can you imagine being seasick, fishing one day? I think we've all done that. Let alone being in a storm for 14 days. Woo! Verse 27, but when, we were the 14, but when the 14th night was come, as we're driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. 14 is a lot of days. Think about this. And it didn't say how many days had passed when Paul stood up and spoke to the 275 men. I assume it was all men. But many days had passed. 
three, five, ten, we don't know. But here we are at the 14th day. A lot of days have passed since Paul said, hey, we're all going to survive, but you got to stay in the ship. It's not like um, an hour later and you're just waiting for the salvation of God to come. It's like days and nights and a tempestuous wind and you're miserable and you're literally starving. You're dehydrated. And I can't help but speculate. I'm speculating that they were miserable. And you know how gossip goes. You just get one rebellious heart, psh, going to the next guy. Hey, can you believe Paul? I don't think he's right. He's probably delusional because he didn't get enough to eat. He's, even, he's actually a prisoner. Can you? What, we're going to listen to this prisoner? Starving, miserable, not thinking clearly. 14 days have gone by. And they're going to put their trust in what some preacher guy says about what the word of God says. It got me thinking. Same thing with Noah. Really, Noah? Water's going to come from what? The sky? So they mocked him. They talked about him. They gossiped about him. Because it was a ridiculous thing to say, hey, there's a salvation coming. You better get on board. Paul was used to this. And I'm speculating, but I don't think I'm reaching very far. It's probably very likely that they were mocking him and not trusting what he had to say. They did. They all stayed. But you better believe there were some bad attitudes and struggles within themselves. Is this guy really telling the truth? There was a... Uh, there was a time all around 400 years where generation after generation of Jew was born. And, and their parents would say, hey, the salvation's coming. God said we're only going to be under bondage 400 years. Here they're growing up all their life being told there's a salvation out there. I just need to put my trust in it, even though they're living and things are miserable. Just like Noah, who's a preacher of righteousness, Hebrews said. Just like Jeremiah preached the word of God, warning the people that you better get right because judgment's coming. Jonah preaching to Nineveh, hey, there's a salvation if you will accept it. It's the same story. Here's Paul saying, hey, there's a salvation here. You've got to put your trust in it. You've got to stay in the ship. You've got to stay in the boat. Which then relates to today. The last 2,000 years, preachers have been preaching. Men have been preaching. Pastors, evangelists, missionaries have been preaching. There's a rapture coming. And you know what? After a long time, you get to thinking after generation after generation, saying, hey, there's a rapture coming. You get, better get ready. You start to think, is it really true? Am I really going to put my trust in what the preacher man says or what the word of God says? But yet we all have to make our own decisions. Just like all 275 presumably men that were in that boat had to put their trust in what Paul was saying about the word of God. Paul wasn't saying, I declare what I say it must be. Paul's saying, no, according to the word of God, this, these things are going to come to pass. You can believe it or not. Can we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? I'm going to grab this water. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If Noah had been in sync, he would have known that his dad was thirsty and he would have brought it to me without me even asking. 
enjoy working with Noah. He's mindful of things. We've been in the back here. We'd be doing stuff. I remember I'd be unscrewing stuff. And he'd be underneath catching the screws as it goes. Good worker right there. That's all you get. No more. Amen. But Tony could throw out a bunch of roses, but that's all. That's all you get. <laughs> Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our, though our, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us uh, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, that the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Like the song says, treasures unseen. I tell you what. Noah wasn't looking at the things that were seen because... Water didn't come from the sky back then. It came from the ground. Abraham wasn't trusting in things that were seen because Lord knows he never saw the city that he was looking for. Back to our text, Acts chapter 27, verse 27. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded, and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again, and it sounded at fifteen fathoms. I can't help but think of uh, Evangelist Larry Bell. And they went a little further, that's how he would say it. The word fathom is a nautical form of measurement. They say it's six feet. I'm going to trust what Google says on that one. A fathom is about six feet. And sounding, the term sounding is a sailor's term for a depth measurement. And they would, Brother Shy, I'm sure, knows all about this. They attach weights to a rope and they throw the, the weight over and uh, they put it down on the ground and then they pull it up and measure how long the rope was or put marks on the rope to show how deep it was. And it was, I don't know why they call it sounding because I don't, can't imagine you'd really hear anything more like feeling would be a better idea, but uh, they were sounding, they were, they were throwing the, the rope overboard with weights and they were trying to determine how fast and how close the shore was coming up. Verse 29, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, look at this, under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. And that grabbed my attention because I didn't quite understand it. That term under color comes from a Greek word that I can't even pretend to pronounce, but it means under pretext, cloak, uh, 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 a show. Um, and, and I copy and pasted this, Google, what does uh, acting under color mean? It means to act under color of state law means to act beyond the bounds of lawful authority, but in such a manner that the un unlawful acts were done while the official was perpetrating or pretending to act in the performance of his official duties. As in, if the boy's job was to clean up like it was just a couple hours ago while I was getting ready for church because I had a mess back there, 
Uh, it could have been like uh, they were cleaning up under color, like they, they, they were cleaning up part of it, but not all of it the right way. They were cleaning it up by shoving it all underneath the pews. It looked like they were working, but they weren't really doing what it looked like they were supposed to be doing, if you get it, what I'm saying. If I didn't make it extra confusing, don't look under the pews. But what's the author telling us here? That He's telling us that the men were going to allow the ship to be torn apart on purpose as they jumped into the water to swim to shore. That was what they were doing. That, that they, As in, if they, if they tore the ship apart on purpose, they still have their honor. Right? Because if you just abandon ship, you got no honor. And back in the day, that was way more meaningful than it is nowadays. Amen. Uh, continue on, verse 31. We only have a few more minutes. Verse 31. Paul said, this, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except that these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. See, they're all about to jump ship. They're ready to go. And Paul's saying, hey, unless you're in the ship, you're not going to be saved. If you go out there right now, you're going to die. So they had a choice to make. They can listen to this preacher, man, or they can jump out in the waters. Which sounds a lot like Noah's message. Unless you, you abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Verse 32. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought all of them to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, and there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence. In, in presence of them all, and when he had broken it, he began to eat. Now, just just the thought, and we're almost done. Just a few more minutes, but um, think about that. I mean, we we go out to lunch. I make a point to pray, even at work. I make a point to pray, and it makes those guys feel uncomfortable. That's fine. I, I don't pray all quiet. I don't mind people hearing. I like for it. Amen. It's a blessing. But Paul is now leading the charge. He, he, he's not in the corner saying, hey, do, do you believe in God? Okay, let's pray and let's eat this. He's got 275 people saying, hey, let's take meat and let's pray. I'm going to pray because God's going to save us. We're going to put our trust in God to all 275 of them. And they didn't jump ship. Paul's got character and he's got a testimony. It's almost like he said he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ and meant it. Verse 36, then uh, then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we, and we, look at that, the author was there. And we were all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. That's 276 for any of those that didn't have to take 20 seconds and figure that out, like I did. What's the significance of that number? Why did the author, author say how many people were on board to the T? To the because they were all on board making the point that they all believed in what Paul was saying about the word of God. No one died. No one had been thrown overboard for 14 days and presumably 14 nights. But more importantly, everyone on board, all 276 people were putting in trust, their trust in what the word of God had to say. Even though, even though a lot of time had passed between what the, when the word of God was proclaimed and when the salvation came. Because it's that time in between that we're living in. 
That makes all the difference. It begs the question as we close, is your character such that even in the storm you're pointing to Christ? Because I can tell you story after story after story as well as anybody in here can. Something happens in life, cut church out. I'm going through a valley in life, I don't got time for church. I'm on the ship of life, man that wave was tough, let's stop going to church. And does going to church mean you're spiritual? No. But just as a symptom, it's a symptom of your heart. Amen. Amen. Begs the question, is your testimony God honoring? Even when the ship is sinking, you can find comfort in the promises of God. When the doctor says your son uh, has cancer, you know, what's your response? Quit going to church? What's your response? To get angry? To quit reading your Bible? No. God's waiting to see where our character is, just where our faith lies, to see what our reaction is going to be. Speculation, Dan Gunther speculation, if Paul wasn't right with God, all 275 other people would have died. That's my own opinion. If Paul wasn't right with God, it begs the question, like, If we were serving God with a fervency, with a mindset, not just at church time, because it's really easy to serve God in the church house. It's easy to talk church, right? Uh, but when we go to work, do we start talking like the world? Do we start mixing in with their jokes? Do we completely change and people don't even know that we're serving the Lord or we're standing for anything right because we look like the world, we act like the world, we sound like the world, we dress like the world? We're either a witness for Christ in the storm or we're weak and anemic. You know, in everything give thanks, it's an opportunity to serve the Lord. It's an opportunity to witness to your fellow brother in Christ or your fellow uh, employer or employee that you're working with to point to Christ. They see that you're going through a hard time. Hey, they're going to look at your attitude, your perspective, what your next step is, what your plans are, what you're going to give up, what you're going to do. How many people are we going to lead to the Lord? And at the very least, point to Christ. Because I'm here to tell you, and, and I'm guilty many times, just like with the furnace. I didn't think about witnessing to that guy, to my shame. But how many of us would be in that ship with all those men and we'd be like, see ya, I'm swimming towards shore. I, I'm going to get out of these handcuffs. I think he was at the time. No, he wasn't at the time. He was still handcuffed, I think. But he's going to, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to find my freedom thinking about our own selves. Paul's witness in his testimony, his proclamation for the word of God saved every single person on board of that ship. And the author made that clear. And every single person on board that ship still had a choice to make. They could, they had free will, they could believe him. And they did, but why? Because of Paul's testimony and his character. I was asking myself, am I more like Paul or am I, or am I more like Lot? And I would ask us as a church, are we more like Paul or are we more like Lot? Because we always want to think that we're like Paul. But when the rubber meets the road, are we more like Paul or are we more like Lot? Amen. We, I, I want to have 
more than zero impact on the people around me. Uh, every time I go to lunch with somebody, whether they're a proclaiming Christian, because there's a, several of those at work, but you wouldn't know it unless you got alone with them. And they, they'd whisper it. I always try to make a point to talk about how good God's been and things that God's done for me in my life and try to get the conversation as often as I can to salvation. That's what we ought to be doing. That's what Paul did, evangelizing, not just here and there in an official block of time, doing something for the cause of Christ every day like a healthy lifestyle. Amen. Let's close with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, help us, Lord, to learn it. Help us, Lord, to eat it.